growing up, I had a very deep understanding of, yeah, our place in history. Why does God have us yeah, born when we're born? You know, why do some have to go through some things and, and others? Yeah. So I, I very much think about God's sovereignty and all of that and how really our times are in His hands. Welcome to Historical Fiction Unpacked. I'm your host, Allison Treat. Hello, readers, and welcome back to the podcast. This is episode three of season six. Um, today, I get to share a really fun conversation with you. I have been looking forward to talking to Gabrielle Meyer for months, I think, because I have heard so much buzz about her new series that started, um, the Timeless series. So Gabrielle has been writing for a long time, and um, she is finally publishing with her dream publisher, Bethany House. And you'll hear more about that in our interview. But um, I was so excited to read the first two in this series for this interview. And um, it's just so much fun when you can say that um, you have to do fun things for work, like read amazing books. Just a heads up that I did mispronounce her name when I was talking to her in the interview. Um, I was calling her Gabrielle, but she pronounces her name Gabrielle, so I didn't realize that until after we had talked. So um, just ignore my mispronunciation and um, enjoy this conversation with Gabrielle Meyer. Gabrielle, thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Your latest novel, In This Moment, released May 2nd. Can you tell me about this book? Yes. So it's the second book in my Timeless series. Um, and the series is about a family who has a special gift. Um, they are time crossers. So um, book one um, was about Libby and she lived in 1774. When she went to sleep there, she woke up in 1914. Um, back and forth, she went with no time passing while she was gone. And on her 21st birthday, she has to choose which life to keep and which to forfeit. So book two is about Libby's daughter. And um, for reasons that you learn in book one, um, Maggie, Libby's daughter, Maggie, has three timelines. So she lives in 1861. 1941 and 2001 in Washington, D.C. And um, the same thing applies to her. She has to decide which of those three lives to keep and which ones to forfeit. So up the ante a little bit with her. She yeah. um, had a little bit tougher decision to make, but yeah. Yeah. And I was telling you before we started that I just loved these books. Um, I, I've never read a novel like that. I've, I've never read one with this kind of premise. Um, with a character living in two different times or three different times. So what inspired you to write this series? I love history. Um, I worked for the Minnesota Historical Society for 10 years, and mm -hmm. um, I was a tour guide for many of those years. And I just absolutely love taking um, real history and having it come alive and be interesting for a new generation. And so um, I, that's why I love writing history our historical novels, but this particular series, um, just <laughs> when I say this, it's kind of funny, but it just kind of hit me one day. I was thinking about um, like Outlander or different 
travel, time travel books um, yeah. where somebody like falls through a portal of time and then they're trying to get back to their previous life. And, you know, all of a sudden um, they're torn because maybe they fall in love or they're helping to win a war or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was thinking about that and it just kind of hit me. What if you were born with that? What if that was like a gift that you were given? Um and of course, these characters don't always see it as a gift. It's more like a burden. Yeah. Um, but what if that was your normal? And so you had these two equally um, important lives that you're living and you had to choose between them, which is kind of the same premise um, that a lot of time travel books have is, you know, you have to choose between what you knew and what you have now. Um, but this is just a twist on that where this is their normal. This is this is their family inherited gift that they have. So that was really um, where the idea stemmed from. And then once that came to me, I just, um, the first book literally just like fell into my head. I just saw everything happen. Um, And then book two and book three also kind of came very quickly to me. Mm -hmm. So the premise for book two you did you know pretty early on with book one that the that book two would have three timelines instead of two? Mm-hmm. So when I um, came up with the idea, I um, in, well, I didn't immediately. Actually, I sat on the idea for about a year, um, and I was talking to a few different friends about it because I wasn't sure um, if the idea would go over well in the Christian uh, publishing industry. Because, um, you know, it's a time travel. It's it's not biblical by any means. But um, it's also, you know, I knew that I could write the stories so that they would have biblical principles. But, yeah. you know, it's still a little bit different. So I actually sat on it for about a year. Um, and then I, I knew of another author who, um, Jody Headland, who had yes. just signed a contract with Ravel um, to do a time travel book. And literally the day that I heard that, I emailed my agent with this idea. And um, within 15 minutes, she called me and she said, why haven't you told me about this? This is amazing. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it was um, when we put the proposal together um, for the different publishing houses that we were pitching it to, I had all three books already kind of plotted out. So I did know that book two would have three timelines, um, even before I started to write book one. Wow. So you are really a plotter very much, right? Very much. I kind of call myself a super plotter. (laughs) (laughs) I like to have a roadmap um, of, you know, my stories, especially with this series, because they, um, each story stands alone as a complete story, but they definitely affect each other. And so I needed to know um, how one story would play into the next story. I needed to know you know, like what uh, time periods the main characters would choose to live in. Yeah. So that would, you know, impact the next person who was born and would have their story. So, yes, definitely had it all plotted out. Yeah. Interesting. So I thought it was really interesting that in in this book, you had three timelines and two of them um, feature a war looming and Maggie knows that the war is coming because she's also living in 2001 where she can, she can't really avoid knowing the history of the mm-hmm. world in the U S. Um, but we, the readers, we know that in 2001, there's also a war on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it almost felt, made me feel like I was participating in the story. Like mm-hmm. I was like in the fourth time ro- timeline of 2023, looking back at her 
lives. So that was, did you foresee that when you were putting this plot together? Because that was an (laughs) odd feeling for me. Yeah. So it's actually kind of interesting because a lot of people have told me that, that they felt it was, you know, like, just like you said, where Maggie knows about the Civil War. She knows about World War II, but she does not know that September 11th is coming. And she even um, makes a statement that, thank God there isn't a war, you know, on the horizon when she's in 2001. And yeah, you as the reader are like, wait, but there is, you know, and so it, yeah. a lot of people have told me that it feels like it made um, her experiences in the Civil War and World War II even a little bit more uh, personal for us uh, as we read the book because you you can kind of put yourself in the position of a person living at those times who don't know what's coming. You know what I mean? We always look right. back at, at history. So yeah, when I was writing it, I didn't really contemplate that as much, but mm-hmm. as, as readers have told me about it, I was like, wow, yeah, that is... Yeah, because as I'm writing a story, I'm often kind of thinking about the nuts and the bolts of the story and a little bit more of the, you know, the structure of it. So I don't necessarily think through all of the. No. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that you would, but it was, it also made me think about what I don't know about Mm -hmm. my time in history, like what's around Mm -hmm. the bend, hopefully nothing horrible, like 9-11, which is really, it's really interesting. I'm actually interviewing you on September 11th. Yes. (laughs) I know. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's weird, but it won't release until a couple Mm -hmm. weeks, but um. Anyway, so about two thirds of the way through the book, I want to share a, a short, short quote um, because Matt, this Maggie's thoughts are described by these words: "I would ultimately make the right choice, and no matter what, God would be sovereign, and He would show me the way." So she's talking about choosing which time to live in, mm-hmm. um, and I. But I just love how those words apply to real life because we may not have to choose among three different lives as Maggie did, but our decisions seem just as serious and and are. I mean, they can affect, affect our lives in extreme ways. So is this something you're hoping to convey to your readers? Yes, um, definitely. So as somebody who, gosh, ever since I was like three years old, I, I'm serious. I don't know why I was like this, but I, I very much contemplated my place in history, which mm-hmm. sounds really strange. Um, when I was three years old, um, my grandfather passed away. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my very first distinct memories. And he was a soldier in World War II. And even at a very young age, my mom told me about him and fighting in the war. And so, gosh, that was only 40 years after the war had ended. Mm-hmm. Yet I felt very connected to that war. And so growing up, I had a very um, deep understanding of, yeah, our place in history. Why does God have us uh, born when we're born? You know, why do some have to go through some things and, and others? Yeah. So I I very much think about God's sovereignty and all of that and how really our times are in his hands. And so that's that's been a really cool thing to explore in this particular timeless series is um, that idea of each person in history and how the decisions that we make, you know, God gives us that ability to make choices, but ultimately he's sovereign to use us um, for his purposes. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I also found it really like comforting in, 
I mean, I always find that comforting, but Mm -hmm. the fact that you like brought that into the story was really neat. What are some of the other themes that you hope readers pick up on in this story? So um, for the second book, um, one of the things that um, I thought a lot about was how um, we often don't have all the answers when we're trying to make a big decision. You know, obviously, Makey has to make a decision that none of us would ever have to make. Like, which of these three lives am I going to live in? But sometimes it might be, should I take that job? Should I move to that state? Should I sell this house? Should I homeschool my children? Should I, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things. Um, We all have these really big decisions that we have to make. And I remember one time years ago, a friend had said, you know, if God speaks about it biblically, obviously, you know, do what he says. But if it's not a biblical decision, it's, you know, it's a life decision, like what school to put your children in. Um, Sometimes we have to take a step of faith and we just have to walk in that and and hope and pray that that is the right decision and that trust that um, God will be with us while we make those decisions. So that's really what Maggie faces is she just has to take a leap of faith, really, Mm -hmm. um, in this particular story. The first one, things were kind of chosen for the main character, for Libby. A lot of decisions were taken out of her control. I wanted this one to be completely different. I wanted Maggie to have complete decision-making. And for the most part, she does. But um, that's because that's real life. And so that's what I love about fiction. Even though this is completely a preposterous idea that this person might have to choose between three lives, um, it really does kind of boil down to what we all face. And that's just making those choices every day. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to like pivot a little bit and talk Mm -hmm. about more about your career. Can you tell me about your path to publication? How did you become a published author? (laughs) Sure. So um, in this moment is I think my 33rd published book. So wow. Yeah. So um, I've had three come out since May. Um, I write six books a year for three different publishers. Wow. So yeah, I'm I'm a very fast writer. And part of it's because I plot so much um, so that when yeah. I sit down to write, I actually, you know, just get my word count done and, and can move on. But my path to publication, everybody has a different one. Um, I wanted to write ever since I was like 10 years old. I fell in love with my first Love Comes Softly, which is a Bethany House novel. Oh, yeah. Turned it over, saw the Bethany House logo on it, saw it was from Minnesota, where I live. Um, And uh, I just was like enamored with the idea of writing for a publisher in Minnesota. Yeah. So I went on to, um, you know, I went through college, got married, started having kids. And that dream was kind of always there. People had told me through college that I had a gift to write. And so it was an encouragement, but it wasn't until I had had my four children and my twins were not quite two years old. um, And I was just really looking for some kind of creative outlet. And Mm. I thought, man, I, I missed writing. I read so many books I love to read. Even when I had infant twins, I still managed to read a book a week because that was my my time. Um, so <laughs> I started to pursue the, the publication route. And um, it took me about three years um, before my first book was published. Um, but it was a novella for uh, Barber and a novella collection. Yeah. And um, just it's kind of gone from there. Like there's been lots of twists and turns. I actually wrote six books 
for Bethany House to consider through the years. Um, as I was getting published with Barber, I eventually got published with um, Love Inspired mm-hmm. and then Guideposts. Um, but I always had that dream to write for Bethany House. And so they kept saying to me, we love your writing. It fits in here. We just need a book that stands out. And when we presented them with the Timeless series, um, they had already seen my writing enough that they were ready to um, bring it to their pub board before they even saw the manuscript. So that was how excited they were about the idea. And um, I had already put the work in so that they knew I could do the writing. So, But I did manage to get um, the book finished before it went to pub board. It (laughs) sounds so silly, but it only took me four weeks to write the first draft. Oh my gosh. Of when the day comes. Yeah. I was so passionate. The story just fell into my head and I actually had COVID. It was in November of 2020. So I was two weeks. I was on the couch just writing pretty much all day. I just, I loved it. It was so much fun. So yeah. Wow. So that part of it was kind of totally a dream come true to get, um, to write for them. Yeah. That's amazing. So your dream is finally coming true. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, I actually read one of your love inspired books Mm -hmm. before. So I knew you could write too, before I Mm -hmm. picked up the series. (laughs) So yeah. Yep. Love inspired is um, I love writing for them. You know, they're very sweet books, um, but they can often have an emotional, you know, punch to them too. So. Right. For sure. You, uh, as you mentioned, you release six books every year. So tell me a little more about your research and writing process and also just how you fit that into your already busy life. So um, when people ask me, you know, like, how do you manage it all? I tell them I don't like, I don't know anybody who does. (laughs) I just, you know, I just put that out there. Our laundry room is always a mess. Um, Our, Mm. you know, it's just sometimes our schedule is so crazy. Um, But um, I am very disciplined when it comes to getting my writing done, partly because I have, you know, contracts and deadlines. Right. So it's not really an option. Um, but so my writing schedule is um, I, I write five days a week, Monday through Friday. Um, I look at my year ahead, see where all my deadlines are. And so I can kind of figure out when I can take off time for vacations or whatnot. I have to have surgery coming up in December um, Mm -hmm. on my foot. So, uh, you know, I've got that scheduled out. But um, I I write about, well, one chapter a day. And that's usually about 3000 to 3500 words. And that will take me about three to four hours. So it's not, you know, because I'm a really fast writer. um, It takes me I usually take about a week to plot out my book before I actually sit down to write it. So I, I can I figure out how many days it'll take me to write a book and I can pretty much stick to that schedule um, unless something I've ever seen happens. Um, so, you know, during the summer, it's easy to get it done. Um, during the fall now, um, I have four kids. We homeschool, um, but my oldest graduated this year. So she's off at college. My second one is 17 and she's doing um, dual enrollment. So she's full time, you know, doing that. Of course, she mm-hmm. comes to me if she has questions, whatnot. And then my twin boys um, are 13 and they do online school as well. So I'm not, I don't have to be um, as present with them. They're in the right. room with me and I'm, you know, there for, to answer questions, make sure they're getting it done. But um, I don't know that I could do this and um, homeschool them without 
online schooling. So, right. um, so you're yeah. working in the same room on your yep. stuff. Yep. Yep. And so then they're, like I said, I'm there for them if they have questions. Also, my husband is self-employed. Um, oh. And so he's home most of the winter. He has a landscaping and lawn care company. So he's home all winter long too. So yeah, he's definitely, which is a long winter in Minnesota. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Usually about November through April, he's home. So, yeah. um, and he's definitely the math and science guy. Like, <laughs> right. don't, don't even bother coming to me if it's a math question <laughs> beyond fifth grade. I'm like, yeah. oh, geez. Yeah. We have the same thing in our house. So you spend like on a typical, typical day, three to four hours actual writing, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of other work that goes into being an author yeah. Uh, like podcast interviews and yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I'm sure it fills up your day very quickly. Yeah. So this morning, um, I already got my writing done. Um, the boys got two of their subjects done and now I'm talking to you. So um, yeah, it was a busy morning, but we got it done. Right. Great. Um, and how much like research goes into each book? Oh, yeah. Because you're talking about plotting it for a week yeah, and then writing three to four hours a day until it's done. Yeah. But where do you fit the research in? So, um, you know, so for my love inspired books, I don't have to do a lot of research because they're contemporary, um, unless I choose to put a story on a honeybee farm, which was a very silly decision because <laughs> I know nothing <laughs> about honeybees. Um, so I do a little bit of research um, while I'm writing. Like it's kind of part of that. Oh, I should really figure out how this would work. Um, but my historical novels. So like when the day comes and in this moment took a lot of research. Yes. Months of research. Um, Um, And so how I do that is I find really good books on um, like Audible, um, Mm -hmm. so audiobooks, and I play them in the vehicle or while I'm doing dishes or whatever. And so um, not only am I listening to it, but my family is, which is kind of doubling as some history lessons for them, which is fun because then we get to talk about it. Um, So for instance, I am researching for... uh, Book four in the Timeless series will, will be oh, a book four. There's yeah. going to be a big book four. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And so um, there will be pirates in it. Um, wow. So, yeah. I'm so excited. So the two time periods will be pirates and gangsters. So the 1720s oh and 1920s, which there are so many similarities between the two. It's, it's really very interesting. But anyway, so um, I found some really great um, audiobooks. And um, we've been listening to them. I'm currently listening to one. It's called The Republic of Pirates. And it's so fascinating. And so mm. that's kind of how I do um, like big picture research. Um, yeah. So for, you know, book two, it was Civil War, World War II, um, and 9-11, which I didn't really have to do a lot of research for that. But just mm-hmm. listening to a lot of audiobooks throughout the year. Um, and then um, finding a few books that aren't on audiobooks that are more like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sources? Primary, primary, primary sources. sources. Yeah. There you go. Um, and then what, so I kind of do all that for quite a while. And that's, you know, while I'm going about my life. And then when mm-hmm. I actually sit down to uh, write, I have several tabs open on my computer. I've got my books next to me. Um, and I'm definitely looking for more detailed stuff while I'm writing the story. Those are the things I don't really need to know until I get into the story. Um, like for instance, in book two, um, Maggie ends up working at a hospital in Washington, D.C. during the Civil War. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I'd read some books about, you know, 
hospitals and stuff, but I was like, which one specifically? So I'm Googling and I'm looking through a book that I had and I was eventually able to find the right hospital. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, So you mentioned about what timelines are in book four. What can you tell us about book three? (laughs) So book three is a little trickier to talk about because Mm. um, book two uh, Maggie has three timelines, like I've said, 1861, 1941, and 2001. So it's hard to talk about book three without giving away which of those time periods she chooses. Yes. So I can't talk about one of the time periods. I'll kind of leave that out there. Um, mm-hmm. I can talk about the other timeline that book three is about because it's not based on what Maggie chooses in book two. Okay. Um, so book three, one of the timelines is set during the Salem witch trials of 1692. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was so interesting um, to research. I have um, ancestors on both sides of the Salem witch trials, the Putnam's wow. doctors. Yeah. And I've known that for years. And so I've done a lot of research um, mm-hmm. and had visited Salem several times before I actually decided to do this book. Um, And then we went back twice since um, I got my contract to write it so I could do some more in-depth research. Um, And so just so fascinating. I guess my desire for book three um, and specifically writing about the Salem witch trials is to kind of dispel some of the, the false narratives about the Salem witch trials or the misinformation that's out there about them. Mm. Um, they're so complex. They're just, it's, yeah. it was a, a lot to wrap my brain around. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to research or write about um, because there's not, you know, we know a lot about what happened, but nobody really still to this day knows why it happened. So right. lots of theories. I have my own, <laughs> but I didn't want to put that into the book too much either. You know, I just yeah. kind of wanted to present it as is and then perhaps let the reader decide what they they think. So, yeah, wow. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to read it. Um, and book four, too. So will they yeah. be releasing like spring of 2024, spring of 2025? Is that? So the uh, book three will be May of 2024. And then book four will actually be in November. So oh, um, great. Yeah, so I um, wanted to do them closer together. And Bethany House has been great to work with. They're excited to do two a year. So, um, and yeah, right now we'll see, you know, there might be more in that series. Um, I haven't quite decided. I have a few more ideas, but. Right. Wow. Well, um, and this is, you said your love-inspired books are contemporaries, but the one I read was historical. So this isn't oh, the okay. first time you've done historical, right? Because correct, um, it was set during the Gilded Age, I think. Yeah. Um, so my first four books with Love Inspired were um, in their historical line. Okay. And then they shut down their historical line. And oh. so I started writing um, contemporary for them. So the first four, I want to say they came out like 2017 and 18. Okay. Um, so a while ago. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is a question I ask all my guests. How do you think learning about history through story helps us approach life in the present? Mm. I think that um, oftentimes when we think about history, it's, you know, statistics or it's numbers, you know, this year, that year, or it's 
the names of people that really don't matter to us, like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. Um, but when we actually read a story, it immerses us differently. Just like we talked about how in book two, um, we see different timelines, but then we see her living in 2001. And a lot of us live through that. And so it puts you into the story and makes it come alive in different ways. And I think that that helps us understand our current lives better um, when we have that perspective of the past. Yeah, for sure. Well, Gabrielle, this has been a great conversation. What is the best way for listeners to follow you? Um, If you go to my website, um, www.gabriellemeyer.com, Um, you can find all of my books there. You can find my newsletter there and then my social media. Um, I love Instagram and Facebook. I'm probably on there far too much. I tell my husband it's for work, (laughs) but (laughs) I really enjoy it. I love interacting with readers and other writers. Um, so those are definitely the best ways to stay in touch. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. This was wonderful. Well, thank you for having me. Well, my friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Gabrielle. I certainly did. And I really enjoyed her books so far too. So um, make sure you check those out. Go to the show notes at alisontreat.com slash blog. Or if you're listening, at least in Apple Podcasts, those show notes should be right in your app. And some of the other listening apps also probably have them right there in the app. I don't know, because I don't have time to look at all the other apps and see how my show appears in them. Maybe that's something I should do. Anyway, you can always find them on my website though at alisontreat.com slash blog. Um, I'm going to ask for one other favor from all of you, a way that you can help me as an author and the show and a way that you can just keep up with us um, and what's going on with the show and with um, history. Like I do a lot of research as an author and I share that research in my newsletter every month. And I also share a lot of my um, current reads and what I think of them. So make sure you go to the show notes and click on the newsletter link or go to my website. It's really easy to sign up for the newsletter there. I did want to mention one thing in case you're kind of um, in tune with all these different imprints of different publishers. Gabriel mentioned that Love Inspired closed their historical line. They did, but they now have a historical line again. So there there are Love Inspired historical books coming out monthly, I believe. There are a few every month. Um, and one of them by a friend of mine, Megan Bissing, actually was nominated for a Carol Award this summer. So that's one reason one of many reasons that I know that it's um, still in existence, but I did go double check just to make sure. Now, when Gabrielle was talking about um, how we were born for a certain time in history, it reminded me very much of this quote from Gandalf from The Lord of the Rings. And I just love this quote so much. I use it to remind myself, even though like it's not scripture, but it is Just such a beautiful quote and a good reminder. So I'm going to share it with you guys to close us out. First, Frodo says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. That's from J.R.R. Tolkien's The Fellowship of the Ring. So my friends, 
be grateful for the time in which you live and decide the best use of that time. And keep reading historical fiction. I will talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.